0: Have your Bibles, you can go ahead and take them out and turn with me to the book of 1 John. We're going to be in the fourth chapter this morning and we're going to look at verse one, at uh, what God challenges us with. Next week, of course, we'll honor our mothers and, and then the following week we'll get back into verses two and three and uh, look at how we make sure that we are focusing on the truth of what God wants. I'm tired of the message this morning, don't believe everything you hear. And and that is a reality check that you and I need to have that we make sure that we understand God's truth and God's word and uh, you know in, in this day and time when things are moving faster I used to uh, used to believe that in this country would not be too long uh, before. Uh, religious liberty pretty much was gone and we as a, a nation would begin to understand persecution like most of the world understands persecution but I always believed that that would be sometime after my lifetime and then I believe that well things are progressing a little faster it probably won't be after my lifetime but it'll at least be after my ministerial lifetime I'll be out of the ministry and 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 retired and and then we'll probably start going through it but the faster things go the more and more I believe that you know we we could be literally just a decade away if less Uh, from persecution and so because of that uh, and again remember God's not there wringing his hands going gosh it's caught me off guard I I promise you he's okay right, and and he wants us to be okay he wants us to know his truth the church in history has always done her best work when she is in the margins not when she's in the center of society but when she's in the margins she has done her best work and so this morning what we're gonna look at is essential for you and I to know the truth you see John wrote this in a day and time when probably most of the eyewitnesses to Jesus's physical life are dead. John's one of the few that's left and so we're dealing with second and third generation Christians, people who have heard the story of those who walk physically with Jesus and in that day and time there were new movements, heresies, Gnosticism, Platonism, a lot of things that were beginning to work their way out into the church, and and they were just subtle differences, okay? It wasn't off a bunch, but remember I've challenged you, if you get off half a degree when you start, half an inch here ends up being a mile when you get where you're headed, okay? So it's important for us to know what God's Word says as the truth for life. And we live in a day and time when anybody can go start a church and find some people to follow them. And so it's important for us to know the truth. I mean, there there's some things that sound really good, that are being taught today, and and, and the problem is they are just off, they're subtle, and because they're off just a little bit, they can can skew our whole faith life and and, and damage history in our our Christian heritage if we're not careful. So this morning, we're going to look at some things that that John challenged us with, and we've looked at uh, 1 John 1, 1 John 2, 1 John 3, and he's talked about those things that should be consistent with our life. First of all, obedience. We ought to obey what God's Word says and number two the love of the brothers the fellowship we ought to enjoy I mean just let me just this is a this is not in a sermon this is just a freebie okay Um, if you don't love church and the body of Christ you're not prepared for heaven okay let, let me just that's what John says all of 1st John 2 the whole chapter is about loving the brothers and being a part if you don't love church okay and 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 if you can't get excited about being in church you're not ready for heaven, okay, you you need to get adjusted, alright, because that, we're going to be together as a body of Christ when we get to heaven, and that means we've got to get along with one another, okay, doesn't mean we're always going to agree, now I really believe in heaven, we're all pretty much going to agree, but here we're not always going to agree, but we better love one another, and we better love being a part of the body of Christ, and get used to being a part of the body of Christ, because that's a freebie, now. Having said that, all of these things that John talks about, obedience, love of the fellowship, and then he moves right here into verse four or chapter four and says, Because of those things, we have to learn to be on guard. So if you have your Bibles open there, 1 John 4, chapter 1, or verse 1, if you would stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the Word of God. John begins and writes, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world this is how you know the spirit of God every spirit who confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God but every spirit who does not confess Jesus is not from God this is the spirit of the antichrist you have heard that he is coming and he is already in the world now you are from God little children and you have conquered them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world therefore, or they are from the world therefore what they say is from the world and the world listens to them we are from God Anyone who knows God listens to us, and anyone who is not from God does not listen to us. From this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of deception. You may be seated. And may God bless His Word this morning as we study it together. We're going to look at verse 1 today. Two weeks from now, we'll pick up verses 2 and 3. Three weeks from now, we'll get into verses 4, 5, 6, and 7. But this morning john i want to break this verse down for you john gives us some instructions about how we guard how do we guard our homes how do we guard our spiritual lives and the first thing that john teaches us is to be on guard look at verse one dear friends he's writing to everybody this isn't just for leadership he's not just writing to pastors he addresses the church he's been pastor of the church there in ephesus for many years and he addresses the church and he says dear friends talking to everyone Dear friends do not believe every spirit in other words don't believe everything that you hear uh, John wanted them to understand that 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 there were some tests there were some things that were happening people were going out people were teaching things that weren't of the truth and so John challenges every single person in the church that's listening to what he's teaching to know what they believe, about who they believe, and why they believe it so that they'll be able to determine for themselves what is right and what is wrong with the teaching that's taking place in their day and time. It was essential. John wanted them to know the truth, and he gives them those tests, things that we've talked about in chapters 1, chapter 2, chapter 3, Uh, First of all, obedience, uh, love of the brethren, uh, all of those things, and, and they're just cyclic. He talks about them over and over. He keeps hammering on them because he wants people to understand these are essential to the context of faith. Uh, it's kind of like the pastor who went to preach his new church. He preached View of call. Church called him. He comes back after resigning from his other church. And the first week he's there, he preaches a sermon. People come after, up after the sermon. They say, May hey, Pastor, that's a great sermon you've ever heard. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're a pastor. He, they go into the next week. He stands up. He preaches the exact same sermon. Uh, I mean, word for word. You know, people walk up Pastor, It's a great sermon. We love that sermon. It's a great sermon. First time we heard it, it's a great sermon. Really glad you're here. Glad you're a pastor. Next week, third week, same sermon. Fourth week, same sermon. Fifth week, same sermon. By now, they're getting tired of it. And so they call the pastor side Pastor, is there a problem? No, it's no problem. We're really glad you're here. And that was a great sermon. First time I heard, it. second time I heard, it. third time I heard, it. fourth time I heard. It's been five times. Is there a problem? No, it's not a problem. Well, when are you going to preach something else? He said, when you start doing what I preached the first Sunday, we'll move on. Okay? That's why John keeps hitting over and over again obedience. Love of the brethren. Obedience, love of the brethren. Obedience, love of the brethren. Chapters 1, 2, and 3, John hammers home those point, points, and then he moves to, verse, or to chapter 4, guard. You and I have to know what we believe. We have to understand what God is saying for ourselves, not just what the pastor believes or what everything else is taking place, but we have to believe the truth and to know the truth that sets us free. Uh, there's a, a situation, court case. Probably some of you've seen it. Maybe you haven't. There's a court case going on in New York right now. There's a, a, a couple who are raising their kids. Kids are a little older. I think six and eight, something like that. But they wanted their kids to be raised like they were. Responsibility, personal accountability, being able to read a watch, do all those things. And so one of the things that they did is they sent their kids to a park just a couple of blocks from the house. Anybody see that? You see, heard about all that? And, and so they sent their kids. Hey, here's the time. Responsibility: figure out how to get there, take care of one another, watch out for one another, go enjoy the park and get home. The problem was their first time to the park, first trip to the park, they didn't make it home. And so the parents go looking for them. They get there, they're not there. Turns out that Child Protective Services picked them up and they've charged the parents with neglect and, and, and not taking care of their kids because they sent them to a park in New York City alone. Okay, now here's the deal, folks. We're growing up in a different time. And, and because we're growing up in a different time, it is essential for you and I to know what we believe about the faith, okay? I mean, even in the Bible Belt, this is essential and truth. You need to understand this. This isn't just something that's going to happen in New York or in California or where people really don't believe the Word of God's Word of God anymore. This is taking place in our backyard. We need to know what we believe and why we need to know the truth of God's Word God's Word and, and I said this last week or the week before whether or not we believe 100 percent that God's Word is God's Word doesn't change the fact that God's Word is God's Word whether you believe God really said it or not doesn't challenge the truth whether God is God God's still God God's still on his throne he's still in in charge okay what I believe doesn't change truth truth is constant throughout everything, and God's Word is true. You and I need to be careful because there's a lot of things that are being taught today that are off. and They're they're subtle. They're not off a lot, Uh, but, but they are off. They're not consistent in context with everything. So what do I do? Well, first of all, Paul tells us, study to show yourself approved. You and I need to begin to get time in the Word, not just time to teach or what what I can give you in 30 or 35 minutes or so here on Sunday morning or what we can give you on Wednesday night, but we need to be spending some time in God's Word every single day. Study, Paul says, to show yourselves approved, a workman who correctly handles the Word of Truth. Study. Get some time every day where you're taking in what God's Word says, and then and, and correctly handle it. Be right on the Word 100% of the time, okay? And here's the catch. We don't do it to point fingers at somebody and say, ha, told you you're wrong. See, we've developed this spirit in the body of Christ today. We're really critical, and we want to point out where everybody else is wrong and we're right. That's not the key. In fact, we're going to get into that here in just a second. John doesn't say do this so that you can hammer somebody. John says, do this so that you know for you what's true, what's right, and what's solid, and that you can then encourage, and bring them back to truth. I mean that you, that you don't get off. We're gonna have friends, we're gonna have family members. We may get off. And when we do, what we want is somebody to come alongside of us and say, hey, brother, look. Man, you, you spun off a little bit here. And I love you enough and care about you enough that I want you back on track. Be on your guard. The second thing that John says very quickly is hold your approval close. Look at the second part of verse 1. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they are from God. That word there for test is a word that means to assay. And, and it, it is, it's, what, it's, it's a concept that we use when we assay the, 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 the purity of gold or silver, precious metals we're not doing that to disqualify we're doing that to to qualify we're doing that to prove up that this gold really is gold or this silver really is silver And, and so what John says is here as we study we do that so that we'll be able to test to assay whether or not their word, the things that are being taught are acceptable as from the Lord how do I do that? well it's pretty simple First of all, is what they are saying consistent with Scripture? Number one scriptural principle of interpretation. Men, women, people do not interpret Scripture. Scripture interprets Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, the Word of God is consistent. And so if I begin to say something or you begin to hear something that is not consistent with the revelation of God all the way through, you know I got off. And I want a church that knows the Word of God well enough that if I put Jonah in, in the wrong place in Genesis or I put Noah on the, on, 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 you know, the, the Red Sea or, or Jonah on the ark that you know wait a minute, Brother Sean you, you goofed okay, and believe me I, I talk fast enough, to, I put Jonah on the ark before okay correct me gently, don't stand up and go hey goofy, you missed it but, but we need to know the truth. Is what is being taught consistent with Scripture, and is it consistent with context? The Gospel of Matthew 24, chapter the 17th verse, there's a verse that says, newer translations say, he who is on the housetop, uh, is not going to go down. The King James Version says, let he who is on the rooftop not come down. And In my biblical hermeneutics class, we were in seminary. We had a, a lesson on this passage. Back in the, the late 50s, early 60s, one of the woman, women's hairstyles, I may have shared this with you before. If I have, just nod and act like you like it. But, you know, a woman's hairstyle was a top knot. They wore their hair up in a bun on the back of their head. And there was a pastor who believed that a woman's hair was her, you know, it was supposed to be worn down. It was, you know, he interpreted that passage to say that. And so he believed the top knot was wrong. Okay, it was against God. It's a true story. He, he preached a sermon in his church. He took the verse, let he was on the rooftop, not come down, and he chopped off roof, and he preached on the top, not come down. That's not contextually right. Okay, Is what is being taught consistent with all of Scripture, and is it right and true in its context? Number two, does the person who is teaching it do they have a proper relationship under the authority of a local church are they submitting themselves John writes in first John 2 uh, verse 19 and, and he says be committed to the body of Christ is this person who's teaching this are they committed to the fellowship are they committed to the authority of the body of Christ number three does their lifestyle match up scripturally first John 3 23 and 24 I mean, there are a lot of pre- people that are preaching a lot of great things today. And I promise you, if you get into their pocket and look at their lifestyle, it's not consistent with what the Word of God says ought to be the lifestyle of a believer today. Is their lifestyle scripturally matching up? Number, number four, what is the lasting fruit of their ministry? 1 John 4, 6. we get in that in a couple weeks. And most importantly, what do they teach about the person of Jesus Christ? 1 John 4, 2. Jesus Christ, not just Jesus, not just Christ. Why is that important? We're going to talk about that two weeks from now, okay? Why? Why do we test them to prove them right, to make sure they're teaching the truth, and if they're not, to correct them, to convict them, not not to condemn them, but to get them convicted and get them back on the truth. That's why it's essential for you to know what you believe and what you're teaching in your home. Why? Because God's not a God of disorder. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not a God of disorder, not a God of chaos. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, Number two, God has given us a spirit of truth. When Christ said, when I go, I'm going to send you a counselor to the spirit of truth, John 14. And, And so God guides us into truth. He doesn't guide us into things that aren't true. And the reason for that is because Hebrews 6, 18, it's impossible for God to lie. God took a promise and God took an oath, two things, immutable things, unchangeable things. God can't lie and his word is true and so I need to know that in every single way in my life and and I need to make sure that I'm using that. And the reason that we do that and I'll, I'll get into this just a briefly in a minute it's because we're not conditioned by righteousness we're conditioned by sin I'll explain that in just a moment hold on to that thought we're conditioned not by righteousness we're conditioned by sin first Kings uh, 13 there's a story uh, Israel uh, Solomon's died Saul David Solomon Israel's history, 120, 140 years there of following God. Solomon's died. The kingdom is divided. Judah, Israel, and the leader of Israel, the ten northern tribes, is a guy named Jeroboam. And Jeroboam is not leading people to follow God. He wants it for himself. He sets up his own altar and wants people to follow him and follow what he does. And and so God uh, calls a prophet to go and to prophesy against the altar of Jeroboam. So he goes and, and uh, he prophesies against the altar. Jeroboam hears him. And the Bible says Jeroboam sticks out his hand and says, Arrest him. And the moment he does, that his hand begins to wither. Draws up. He can't His hand withers. He can't pull it back. And he panics. And so he prays for the man of God to pray for him. And he does. And his hand's healed. And he says, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. Because it's, it's evident that you're a man of God. Man of God says, I can't take anything from you. It wouldn't matter if you gave me half or all. I can't take it because God told me to come. God told me to prophesy against. God told me to leave, not to eat, not to drink, and not to go back the same way. He told me to go home a different route. I got to go. So he leaves and he's following. He's obedient. Think about this. He prophesies against the altar that Joash is going to come and Joash is going to kill all the false priests and scatter their bones on the altar and desecrate it. It's never going to be used again. He, he prophesies, and, and immediately God withers the hand of Jeroboam and restores the hand of Jeroboam. All these things are taking place. He's seeing God work in his life, and he's obedient for a moment. There's a false prophet. The false prophet hears about what happened, and so he sends after him, and he says, hey, wait a minute. I've got another word from the Lord, and God told me to tell you it's okay to come eat in my house. Instead of listening to what he already knew to be true, what he'd already seen evidence to life, he listens to a false prophet. And he goes to the house of this other man of God, quote. He eats, and then when he gets up to go home, the Bible says that a lion comes and kills him. Doesn't destroy his body, just kills him. Doesn't even kill his donkey. Donkey's still standing there beside him on the road, and the lion's just standing guard until the false prophet comes and takes his body. You and I have to know what we believe, and we have to understand the truth of what's there, whether we like it, whether we agree with it, and begin. it's still true, and we have to begin to adjust ourselves to what God says, not adjusting what God says to me. I have to be the one that adjusts, and when I do that, the third thing that this challenges us with is because of this truth, they are among us. Look at what he says. Dear friends, do uh, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to determine if they're from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Think about it. This is a short period of time. Jesus has not been dead long. We are dealing with second and third generation believers. John's one of the few eyewitnesses that's still alive who's seen Jesus physically walk on this earth. So we're not talking about a long period of time here. And John says false prophets have already gone out. Think about the history. And how many more false prophets have gone out? And how many more false prophets there are today? It is essential for you and I to be on our guard. It is essential for you and I to hold our approval close. It is essential for you and I to realize this applies to today. It is important for me. It is important for you. It's important for you in your home to teach the truth of the Word of God. You you can't get it enough just coming here every Sunday and every Wednesday night, okay? You need to be in your home teaching the Word of God to your kids. Start them when they're young, guys okay? Grandparents, start it when your kids come. I can remember when I would go visit with my grandmother, my grandmother would read the Bible to me. I would go to sleep at night when I would be at home or on vacation with her for two weeks. I would go to sleep at night on on the bed with her reading the Word of God to me. That's how my brother and I would go to sleep. Start it now. Man, man, Get into the Word and expose your family to the Word of God and to truth because they are among us. And, and, and you and I need to know the truth and emphasize the truth and know when somebody doesn't emphasize the truth. Here's the truth. I'm fixing to share with you the truth. Here's the truth Jesus the Christ, born of a virgin, fully God and fully man, lived a sinless life, was crucified on the cross, and died for the sins of the world. He was buried. He was resurrected the third day, and he is now alive and sitting at the right hand of the Father awaiting the timing of the second coming of the Messiah. That's truth. And anything that deviates from that absolute power, truth, and authority in life is false. Why is that important? Because God says, his son Jesus Christ says, I came that you might have life and this life more abundantly. God doesn't want us to live in a defeated life, okay? He wants us to be living a life full of power. Acts 1-8, you will receive power. He doesn't want us to engage intellectually only. Man, you need to know some stuff about Jesus. Guys, know some stuff about Jesus. But more than you know stuff about Jesus, know Jesus, okay? Know Him personally. That he wants to make a difference in your life. Billy Graham has said that he believes most Christians today, up to 90% of Christians today, live a defeated life. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's, that's, not a, that's not a defeated life. But the reason we live a defeated life is because we are carnal. It is because we are conditioned by sin. We are not conditioned by righteousness. And when I'm conditioned by sin, what I see is everybody else's sin, but I find it hard to see my sin. I, I know I have sin, but it's not big. When I sit in staff meeting and I look at Josh Or Matt? Or heaven forbid, Larry? Just kidding. But you know that's the truth. I'm conditioned by sin. I see everybody else's. I don't see mine. And what the Word of God tells me to do is that I condition myself by the Word of God. And I do that by understanding the Word versus the world. Prayer versus the flesh spirit versus the devil the more time I'll spend in the word and less time in the world the more time I spend in prayer the less time I spend in the flesh and the more time I do that the more I walk in the spirit and not under the influence of the devil and I don't live a defeated life first full-time vocational job I had in the church Uh, Laurie and I had gotten married in 1988 Uh, in January we went to work at the church in June of 88 at Cedar Hill part-time I was finishing up seminary I had about a year and a half to go. I graduated in May of 1990 with my Master's of Divinity degree. And the church uh, where we were, I wanted to be a pastor. That was my call. But the church said, we believe God wants you to stay here and be full-time as minister, uh, associate pastor, minister of youth, and minister of recreation. So I was gonna be full-time there. We stayed there for two years. That was my first full-time vocational job. And they presented it on Sunday night. Church voted unanimously to call me. and And so my first act as youth pastor uh, and, and wife we lived in a little house and man we were gonna invite the whole youth group to come over we were gonna watch a movie and being a youth pastor want to influence them the right way I, I said we want to get a good movie okay don't want to get a bad movie you may have heard me share this before but it just shows how we're conditioned by the world not by not by the word and, and even as a youth pastor guys I was conditioned by the world. But I told him I said hey there's a good movie just watched it the other day on 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 HBO or Showtime something whatever we had. It was called Field of Dreams. Anybody ever see the movie? Okay. I said, "Go get here's $5, go rent the movie, bring it about the house. We went and got Cokes, chips, pizza, all the things. Had about 40 or 50 kids pile into our house. We're there watching a the movie. And I said, just while I plugged it in, I said, guys, this is a great movie. There's only one cuss word in the whole movie. I'd watched the whole movie. It's been a week, week and a half before. Plugged it in. We'd been watching the movie. Rolls through the credits. The movie starts. We're about three minutes into the movie, and I hear a cuss word. I'm paying attention now because I got 40 or 50 kids sitting there, and I've just said this. And, and I'm thinking, whoops, that wasn't the one I was thinking about. So I kind of looked at the kids and said, that wasn't the one I was thinking about. I guess there's two in the movie. We watched about another three or four or five minutes, and there was another word. I quit counting at ten when we hadn't gotten to the one that I remembered. See, the only one I remembered was, you know, where they used the Lord's name in vain. All the others, I didn't even hear them because I was so conditioned by the world through the things I was watching on TV, the people I was hanging around with, people I was playing softball with, people I was running with. And it wasn't that I was a bad person. But I was just letting the world condition me. I didn't even hear what was going on. We're conditioned by sin. The Word of God says I'm to be conditioned by the Word, that I am to allow the Word of God truth in my life. And and so we stopped the movie, and I talked to the kids, and I showed them, hey, guys, this is just evidence of what we need to be doing. God has called us to give us abundant life, not intellectual life, but freedom. So are you living a free life? Gospel of John, the 17th chapter, 3rd verse. This is what Jesus said. This is eternal life. What is eternal life? This is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. This morning, we have worshipped. Choir and Shelley did a great job. All rise. Powerful song. Every time I hear that, I don't care how many, every, I, I can't sit. I try. Y'all all stand up and I'm trying. Mm, no. I'm not going to do what everybody else does. But I stand. It causes me to pray. But the reality is, do I really want God to move in my life? We say we want running water. Lord, we want you to send rain so that water runs and our lakes are full and our streams are full and our our tanks are full. God, we need, we know, God, that you want healing for this land. We want that. But do we? We want revival. We want revival. God, I want you to move in this land. I don't want to have to worry about my religious freedom. I don't want my grandkids that I don't even have yet to grow up in a world that doesn't know you. I I don't want them to understand what all the world pretty much understands, the persecution of the faith. I, I want revival. But do I? Do I really want it enough not to be conditioned by the world? To be in the Word. To be in prayer. So, what I say by wearing a badge about religious liberty, do I really want that for these kids? Because that's not going to happen with business as usual in the church. We have to be on our guard to prove those things that are right and true. And we have to know that it's here. And there is a call on our life. Forgive me. Forgive me for being so casual sometimes with my faith. Father, I pray that you would speak to your church this morning. God, that includes me. Father, your word would begin to adjust me. Us. That our testimony would be such that it champions who you are. And Father, it says to others, This is who you need. Jesus is real. That it becomes the basis of our homes and our marriages. That it becomes the basis of the way we do business And and the way we shake hands in agreement And Father when I fall That I, I sense that I have grieved The spirit of the living God living within me To the point that I confess And am restored That I repent and walk again with you Father speak today For you are Lord, and you are God, and nothing that we say or do is going to change that truth. So adjust us, Father, to you. Give the spirit of the living God, the spirit of truth, the ability to move and to work in hearts, in marriages, in homes, in lives. Father, if there are those here today who need to be saved, save them. Father, if there are those of us here this morning who need to get on our face before you and admit that we are conditioned by sin and, and we are done, Father, we are done. And lay us on our face, whatever it takes. Father, you move in this place for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May he be exalted above all else, and may all glory fall at His feet. And we pray that this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Messiah. Amen.